This podcast is an exploration of personal identity. I'm sure there will be times I use terms or language that don't feel right for you, and the language I use will likely continue shifting and evolving as I also learn, change, and grow in my identity. This is part of the process I'm sharing here. So I ask that you listen with an open heart, an open mind, and I welcome respectful engagement and polite feedback at any time. If not, with myself directly, then I hope you will bring your thoughts to your own community and find meaningful dialogue within yourself and the relationships in your daily life. I'm glad you're here. Well, I'm a a couple days from my birthday which I have mixed feelings about birthdays in some ways. I I don't know that I have mixed feelings about it as much this year, but birthdays have not been very happy times for me for a while. They've been lonely and sad and hurtful (laughs) for a while. And I've mostly just wanted to celebrate by myself, or I haven't really had people to celebrate with. And certainly COVID and moving across the country changed that too, but I I'm thinking about where I was at last year for my birthday and you know it being also the start of the year the calendar year you know there's just a lot of a lot of that just kind of stepping into a new chapter sort of feeling but also not everything's still the same as it was the day before but just like you're you're opening up a new journal, you know, at least for me, and just looking at this blank canvas of a year ahead and just being like, okay, what's going to be written this year, you know? And I, I remember, you know, having made intentional what I hoped would be fun plans for myself for my birthday with somebody and having them, having to cancel them um, under some pretty hurtful circumstances and not understanding why that was happening at the time, but uh, just doing my best to just honor the day on my own. I remember taking a drive to one of the cities that I, I love in Vermont and it being a really beautiful day. I remember not wanting anyone on the farm where I lived to say anything about my birthday. I didn't want to celebrate with anybody there. (laughs) Um, There were some things going on at the time that just felt like I did not feel safe at my home there. And... um, 
And I remember that evening having invited a few friends to just get on a Zoom chat with me and to see the faces of a few people. And a few people did, and it was, it was truly so sweet. And that was that. And I didn't know that shortly after, I would meet someone who would really change and open up my life in a lot of ways. And that was Camille. And that too has been almost a year journey and story in the making that has taken, just had so many twists and turns to the story and chapters ending and chapters beginning and and it's some somebody that I I I went through this last year with that has become very meaningful to me and I also didn't know that even though I was using I had decided to add they them to my pronouns um, shortly before the end of that year. Um, I, I, I hadn't yet really felt like non-binary was an identity that I could claim. And only a couple months into 2022, that, that changed. And I suddenly felt a lot of um, identification with non-binary. And it felt, I felt permissioned to open up more that previously unknown part of myself. And so it led me, just last year led me on so many deep excavating self-discovery and healing paths and it was intense and it was exhausting and it was beautiful and it was messy and you know if you've been listening to my story through these podcasts you know you know a lot of this so that took a big turn at the end of this last year you know and so I, I look at where I'm at now versus a year ago in my identity even, even in, from the last podcast episode I recorded until now, talking about gender identity and my, just how this conversation keeps expanding. It keeps just inviting me deeper and deeper and, and keeps surprising me, really. That something I thought was a little more resolved than it was or was going a certain direction is actually branched out into a slightly more expansive direction. Suddenly, non-binary isn't the term that I identify with. Suddenly, it doesn't feel big enough for me. But gender fluid does. And, and so I think in the last episode, I talked about pronouns and just... <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't really care about pronouns now. I kind of want to just be like, call me any pronoun. I just want to like confuse. I want, I want, I want, I want people to look at me 
and be genuinely confused. That is the pronoun that I want. (laughs) And I, and so in the last few weeks, what has just settled more clearly in me is that I'm tired. I'm actually tired of she, not just tired of it, but it actually, I could feel myself, like my, myself cringing inside every time it's used now. I can feel how I'm disidentifying with it. Before it felt like something that I slightly still identified with or something that felt tolerable, just like neutral about it. But now it feels like I, I don't want it. And that's been interesting to notice that. That's been surprising. I think that some part of me wasn't expecting that that would be the case. And so now I find myself having it, not just the conversation with myself primarily, but having more of a conversation as I am out in the world interacting with these other parts of my life, of being more proactive and and deciding for myself, when does it feel like it's worth the energy and worth the vulnerability to say something and when does it not feel worth it? Because I, again, I've been mostly able to just slide by because I'm like, well, technically they're, you know, I'm not being misgendered. They're just ignoring this whole other part of me. You know, I tell people my pronouns are they and she, and most people would choose to use she. And so it wasn't technically wrong or untrue of me but it felt like, yeah, this whole part of me was just getting ignored. And, and now I'm like, but I could let it slide, you know? But I'm done with that. And I reached a point where I was like, <laughs> in the last like two weeks, where I've been ready to just shed she and her. And so I've begun telling my work and telling my housemates and telling people in my life, I'm, I'm just using they, them now. And it's not because I don't feel identified with a feminine expression in my identity it's that I don't feel identified with, uh, I don't want to be identified by pronouns that are on the binary. But in myself, I feel like I flow across the binary. <laughs> I'm not just neutral in the middle, like I can go from one end to the other and I don't belong in any one place. That's what I feel these days. And so it means more to me to know that in myself than to have people just use all pronouns for me. I can just know that there's a he in here too, and there's a she in here, and and that they are kind of held by this they who is out is just more than that's more than the binary. I'm, you know, And so, anyways, that's been a big change. And 
I can feel myself, um, you know, when I first came out <laughs> and I was exploring gender expression, I like to, you know, I felt like I had to advertise myself as queer uh, with my pins and my rainbow this and my queer that. And like, because I just felt so straight passing, I just felt very conscious of nobody's going to know I'm queer. I need to let, I need to signal that I'm part of this community. <laughs> and I, I loved it. Like I, I wanted to, I felt very proud and I still do. I mean, I still love like visibly signifying like, Hey, I've got my pins. I love my pins. Like I've got my rainbow shoelaces. I've got my, you know, rainbow sheep of the family sweatshirt. I've got my like, uh, yeah, I've got it all. But it's interesting because I feel the more I embrace my fluidity and my in and how I express myself, the the more um, I just feel my queerness being visible. Whether or not it is, I don't know. But I feel like I'm letting my queerness be more visible in other ways, in ways that don't need a pin or a button or a flag. I, it's just kind of organically evolving in that way. And I think I, you know, one of the things that has felt surprisingly euphoric for me lately has been wearing a binder. I don't wear it every day, but I've been finding that I want to wear it more days than not lately. And just letting that be. I had used trans tape before um, and tried that out. And I remember thinking that I like this, but I felt neutral about it. Like it didn't feel like something that did anything for me other than just being like, oh, it's kind of a cool experience to try this out. You know, it felt kind of disconnected from it. But when I put the binder on this time and I looked at myself in a shirt, I felt immediately euphoric. And that was a new experience for me. I don't know that I've felt truly euphoric until I've started to play around with my expression as a gender fluid person. I'm starting to want to wear some clothes that are more of that like masculine expression with my binder and just play around with that while at the same time knowing that I might want to wear a dress the next day. I might wear my little femme sweaters. <laughs> like I might have a binder with something femme on, you know, like it's, I think what's felt restrictive for me before, confusing for me is that I still felt like I was having to choose one or the other. If I felt euphoric in something that was more mask identifying, then that felt confusing to me. Like I must then have to disown anything about me that is feminine. If I feel at home in something feminine, 
then I must need to disown any part of me that feels at home in my masculine expression. And with fluidity, I feel permission to be in all of it without it having to disqualify or disown any other part of me. I don't have to be gender neutral unless I want to be. I don't have to be any one thing. And I think that that's something that at the start of last year, I didn't see that for myself. I didn't know. And so I wonder at this year ahead, this is the start of the year. It's the start of my 42nd year or my 43rd really. (laughs) That sounds so insane to say that as a number. It's just like, whoa, it's both so old and so young at the same time. I feel like I've lived a life in a lot of ways. (laughs) I feel like I've lived this full life at almost 42 years. And I also feel like I'm just getting into the prime of my life. And the thing is, is that I recognize now that the prime of my life is not, it's a moving target. Prime of my life is not, you know, is not in my 20s. God, it was definitely not in my 20s. It was not in my 30s. It was not at some past experience of my youth. And it isn't something that I'm living now that I will never return to. My prime of my life is something I am growing into every year is becoming the prime of my life because it is leading me more and more into myself. And in that way, I feel very young. In that way, I feel like I am just getting to the core, the essence of me. I'm peeling back the layers to see me. And I think that's one of the best parts of getting older that I've experienced so far. I love it. I don't have any nostalgia for my younger days. I don't wish that I could go back and relive them. I don't miss them. I feel like I'm living my fullest life right now. And that's that the life that I'm going to live into, I have to believe is going to be even fuller than it is now. If I continue with that kind of openness, if I continue with this kind of just curiosity and uh, wonder and permission and courage to let be what will be and to let these surprises, these changes, these evolutions happen without me having to manipulate or force or dictate what can and can't happen. I don't know what the end of this gender conversation is for me. I don't think there is one. But I might also be really surprised at where this goes from here. The way that I have been surprised up to this point, and that excites and scares me a little bit too, because the more I open up this conversation, I feel like the more deep I get into it, the more vulnerable in some ways it makes me in society. And 
And I still have a lot of privilege, a lot of privilege that I recognize. But I feel myself kind of starting to dance a little bit with those edges of vulnerability in ways that I have not yet. And that's interesting to notice that. So those are just my musings on... (laughs) living life, getting older. I used to mourn getting older. I think a lot of people do. I think that's really sad and really a reflection of how we view age, right, in our culture and how afraid we are of the things that come with it, how afraid we are of death, of change. But I think... think that aging is just so fucking beautiful and that's one thing that I really want to keep leaning into this year and it's something that I hope as I live my story publicly and let that be expressed in all the ways that I express it I just hope that it opens up some portal of permission in other people some bit of excitement, of inspiration to really delight in the age that you are and not be restricted by it, not feel like anything is ever too late, you've missed the boat, that you're too old for something, that you're too stuck in your ways, that you're imprisoned by the life that you've already lived up to this point or the choices that you've made or the identities that you have known or that have been hoisted upon you, the belief system that you inherited, none of that stuff is unchangeable. It is never too late. And I think that that is something that I just feel so passionate about sharing in this, yeah, storytelling that I do is that It is just like, it's all such an invitation to live no matter what age you are. And so, anyways, (laughs) there's my, the waxing poetic that I will do. Um, But I also want to share on this vein another invitation for the year that I'm leaning into. On the first day of 2023, I listened to the podcast episode I had recorded at the same time last year. I think I just wanted to remember and just get a sense of where I was at that time as I was stepping into 2022 because so much has happened in a year and I have some vague recollection of where I was at, but sometimes it's nice just to be able to hear it again and just pick up on 
the feeling of it. In the episode, I shared a word that I felt had chosen me for the year, like my word of the year, and how it came to me. And the word that I chose for last year, or the word that chose me, was unfolding. And I used that word a lot (laughs) throughout the year. If you've been following me, you know that's one of my words that I, it's just part of my vocabulary, and it still is. And I marveled as I listened at how much unfolding I actually did last year and how long a process it was to unfold in the ways that I did. Long and also not. I mean, in some ways, the amount of unfolding what felt accelerated was so much unfolding in a relatively short period of time, but the way that it felt like it stretched through the whole year also felt long. And I heard myself acknowledge in the episode, I don't know if this will take the better part of the year, maybe it will take into 2023. (laughs) And so looking back, I, I felt like I just emerged at the end of the year from the chrysalis that I spoke about being encased within. I spoke about how I was dissolving and transforming in this chrysalis back at the start of, of last year. Little did I know that it would take most of the year for that metamorphosis to at least that part of my metamorphosis to conclude and and then start a new process and and so here I am several months from that emergence the last 2 months of 2022 felt like oh this long long awaited celebration like a fucking party <laughs> a homecoming i felt more alive i felt more joy and even more fleeting of an experience for me i'll say happiness because i think i've i've learned that joy is something that certainly can be more steady whereas happiness I think is it's more flighty (laughs) and I think that's okay I don't think we're meant to live in a state of happiness (laughs) but anyways I I felt more of these things than I think I ever have and for the first time it seemed like most of the pieces of my life and myself were in alignment I felt in alignment with myself I felt spacious. I felt free. I felt so alive. And I mean, if you talked to me, if you hung out with me in the last two months, like even if you just met me for the first time, I think that, I think people really felt, have felt that from me, just emanating from me. Like I am just buzzing with this energy and it's 
it's been incredible to to experience that myself after such a long period of what just felt like kind of dormancy, you know? And I use the past tense to describe all this, not because it's like that's fully past, but because in some ways the intensity of that brief season of celebration seems to have passed a bit. And now I'm settling into a more, let's call mundane, uh, integrated experience of alignment. It just happened so abruptly in the last week of the year, this, this shift as life you know, often does present itself to us, it can happen all of a sudden. And so all of a sudden, I could just feel myself deflating. All of a sudden. <laughs> Some of those pieces of my life just shook and shifted. And I felt my grounding shake with them. And one of those pieces is, one of those big pieces is that, you know, I, I haven't really talked about this much, um, certainly not on my podcast, but, you know, my work that I'm doing in the city in the season of my life, you know, I went from farming and now I am a companion caregiver with older adults. And my first client and the one that I worked with every day uh, of the week and who quickly became a very important person in my life, and, and me and hers. She, her health just took a, an abrupt turn for the worse, and she landed in the hospital. And after less than a week, she came home from the hospital and, and died within hours of coming home. And that, that shook me. Um, I, she was a big part of my joy in this season of life was getting to have this relationship with this, this woman and care for her and honestly just receive, receive from her, just her presence, what, uh, what has just been love emanating from her and um, just the the privilege of being in each other's lives. I just kind of, not that it completely went away because I know that people, when people leave us physically, bodily, when they leave this earth, they're not really gone. At least not in my experience. There's some piece of her that is in me, um, that's around me, but uh, but my life has quickly shifted, and she's no longer a part of my daily life. So, as I felt these things shaking around me, I've just been catching myself, kind of like I'm pressing my hand to a wall to steady myself while the floor is just moving beneath me. I've just been feeling this swell of grief rising up and my a lot of trauma responses in this time, just at the ready, like ghosts from the past, you know? 
like embracing myself again for things to fall apart. Because good things don't last. (laughs) That's what my trauma response says to me. Good things don't last. So I can feel that this little hypervigilant soldier in me scanning everywhere for signs of impending loss. I can feel myself tensing up, this paralyzing freeze that starts inward and just moves outward. I can feel how much is pulsating just below the surface, things that are so old, old experiences, old griefs, old traumas, old brain stories that are just still alive. And I can feel my exhaustion setting in. And some wise part of me recognizes This is a contraction. And you know what follows every big expansion? A contraction. (laughs) I mean, that's the natural way of growth. That's the natural way of breathing. We expand, we contract. We inhale, we exhale. Some of those expansions are big. Big breaths, big intakes. We are filling up, we are filling out. And so the contraction itself is this bigger deflation. As we pull back inwards, as we come back together. It's, it's natural. But it can still be unsettling. It's not something to fear. But it's something to lean into. I know this. But it doesn't make it feel any less threatening to those traumatized parts. You know what I mean? On the last day of 2022, I did a tarot spread with my best friend, covering the entire year. We started doing this last year. And I... I loved it so much that I I told her, please, can we do this as a yearly ritual? And so we did. We pulled cards for every season of the year, um, starting with winter and all of the astrological seasons that coincide within the cycle of the year. As well as, you know, just overarching thematic cards for our years. And I know that, you know, tarot is not something that everybody (laughs) identifies with and that's fine. You know, and some people think it's a bunch of hooey and other people are like, yeah, I totally get it. Other people are just like, I don't know anything about it. It's fine. For me, tarot has become a form of medicine really just like spiritual nourishment so my personal card for the year is justice and 
where I'm growing evolving this year is the devil card. And the lesson of my year ahead is seven of wands. My deepest teacher for the winter cycle is also the justice card. My teacher for this Capricorn season is the moon. And our collective card of the year is the chariot. And so that may not mean anything to a lot of people. And again, that's fine. And I'm certainly not qualified to, not qualified, but you know, I don't know that I can take the time to fully explain, you know, interpretations of of that to people. And it's very personal, but let's just say that one of the clear themes that emerged in this, and even just those card pulls is that this is a year for challenging my brain chemistry and gently unraveling from this state of hypervigilance that I have been living in for a long time. It's a, a year for leaning into what is showing up for me rather than what I think should be showing up for me. <laughs> it's a year for learning to kind of blindly feel my way in trust through these kind of fog-laden, hidden passages instead of just relying on my sight, which is one of the biggest invitations of, the, of having a chariot year, a card that is ruled by cancer. And so I've been pondering, is there a word that is offering itself as my companion through this year? Several words floated up, and I kind of just held them half-heartedly, like, uh, yes, but not really. But one word, one word has remained small in a small way, in a quiet way. It, it did not just come to me in a flash the way that unfolding did. This one feels more like it's just a quiet floating down and settling into me. And the word is here. And so in that word, what I see as the invitation is can I be here with what is? Can I return here to my breath? Can I bring myself here to the present when the past is confusing me uh, as my current reality? Can I be here in trust when I can't see a damn foot in front of me? Can I float here in the discomfort of change and reroutes, the ebbs of contraction? 
Can I delight here in the invitation of the moment? Can I remember here that while nothing is permanent, and this can usher in grief, nothing is permanent, and this can also usher in relief. Can I be here now? It sounds so cliche, doesn't it? I mean, I know, just all about here and now, but to me, it's also kind of irritatingly profound. Not because I thought of it, because I didn't. (laughs) But just sometimes cliches can also be profound because there is evidently so much more space for me to inhabit what this means, for me to inhabit here. There's more room for me to spread my roots into the ground of what's here and now to really latch down into the only reality I actually have that any one of us actually has. Here, this moment, is it. It's all we have. Here, here, here. I just came back from a memorial service for my dear friend of 87 years that just passed a few days ago. Esther. I got to hear her family tell story after story of what it was like to know Esther throughout her life, throughout their lives. And Esther lived a long, full, meaningful, colorful life. Esther inhabited here, even as her body was failing, even as her mind, her brain was getting foggier, she was still here. And that's one of the things that I loved about being in her presence, was that this is a person at 87 years old who knew how to still have both feet in life, fully here. And as I listened to stories, I kept marveling at how some of these family members, obviously her, her siblings, one of them, you know, it's like, I've, I've known Esther longer than anybody in this room. I've known Esther for 84 years. I could resonate with the stories that he was telling about Esther, with the the person of Esther. Even though I didn't know Esther until the last two months of her life, 
I got a glimpse in like the split second of her life that I knew her. I got such a glimpse of who Esther was throughout her life. Here in two months, I've met Esther. Like, and I just, my life changed. And I want, you know, like, (laughs) I'm 45 years younger than Esther. I don't know that I'll have another 45 years (laughs) to live to the age that Esther lived. You know, none of us know if we will live a long, full life or if it will be shorter. And so I just have this like yearning inside, you know, that I would hope that anybody that would meet me and only know me for two months would walk away knowing they had been in the presence of someone who was fully here, knowing they'd been in the presence of love the way that I felt with Esther. What better impression, what better story to leave behind, really, than that, you know? So the word here, I just want to marinate it in it this year, you know? Let it really seep into my bones and into my brain chemistry until it colors everything I see. Until I more effortlessly move through the world in a body that's immersed here. And I'm grateful for all my teachers. all the people and all the the non-humans that are showing me how to embody that. So thank you for being here. And I hope I hope that There's some invitation in this for you as well. Go gently, friends.